Hello, hello, and welcome to another Gestalten podcast. My name is Eric, aka Form Trends, and I'm here with my Concept House colleague, Martin Groschwald. Hello, hello, Martin. Hello, it's Eric. been it's been forever. It seems like we have not done a podcast in a very, very long time. But welcome everyone to episode fourteen. And no, we have not been on holiday. We've been extremely... been on holiday for a few days. Uh, I, was on, I was on holiday for like a week, and, and, and it was nice. It was nice. You know, I can't knock it. It was good fun. But um, other than that, we have been extremely busy um, doing our day-to-day jobs, and um, therefore, we have not been, um, you know, coming on and doing the, the podcast. So apologies for that momentary lapse in, uh, in June. I think our last podcast was uh, was in May, so uh, June kind of fell off. But it's July, and we're back, and there's more new cars and things that have happened. Um, lots of developments in the industry. Well, not too much, but a few. A few. A few a developments few. in the industry um, that we'd like to address in uh, in this episode 14 episode uh, of, of uh, Gestalten. So... Um, I don't know. You want to you want to fill in like what we've been up to, or do you want to just dive dive right into? We, we literally just worked. I think <laughs> I, mean, just, I, I don't even know where this time went. I mean, you know, we had in, in the meantime we had the episode with Anders. So yeah, very very big thank you to everybody who listened to that. We got some really nice feedback on that episode as well, and also once again thank you to Anders for taking the time to um to do that with us, but. Let's just crack on because we have a lot to go through. Yeah. We will have a lot to like. We will have quite a few things to absolutely like, you know, throw into the bin. <laughs> <laughs> this has been this has been a kind of an interesting kind of time frame now. Like, you know, we had uh um we had what was it like Villa Deste was happening, we had Festival of Speed happening. Quite a lot of things actually that's been going on. So we had production cars, we have concept cars, so Please do bear with us if not everything is in there, yeah. because there is a lot that has happened. So we try to limit it a little bit, uh, also with some more interesting topics that we usually don't talk about, cars for markets that we don't usually talk about, so kind of mix it up a little bit. But let's actually start off with production cars. Mm. And when I look at my list that we that we have here, it says Aston Martin, DBS, Sagato, and... That was actually in Goodwood, so you can you can maybe talk a little bit about Aston at Goodwood. Oh wow! Well, Aston at Goodwood. I mean, Aston was was really omnipresent at Goodwood because um, they were celebrating quite a lot of uh, anniversaries there. Um, the seventh anniversary was one of them. There was another. It was it was a pair of anniversaries, so they were really very very well represented. Um, they also had the headline sculpture by Jerry Judah, which every year comes up with some insane like high rise sculpture that takes him forever to uh to build but in this case he designed it with the um aston martin dbr1 uh at the very top and that uh that car was from 1959 so quite a symbolic car anyway that was the the headline um was aston martin and um at one point i was there on the friday uh i don't know if they did this every day but they came out um and right in front of uh the duke of richmond's um you know goodwood mentioned they had all of these uh incredible aston martins from vintage periods um as well as the heavily camouflaged um db 
uh, or rather the, um, the, DBX. The, the DBX, that's right, which we saw um, a concept version of this car was revealed, I think it was like in 19, no, 20, 2014, perhaps, I can't remember, but I do remember seeing a, you know, a, and I did a video on it, which you can find on the Form Trends YouTube channel, but it was, um, it was really in-depth, um, the, the design was very much kind of catering towards a new age customer for luxury and it was you know i mean a four by four before you know the lamborghini urus before um you know talk of ferrari um uh, coming out with an suv so um and aston martin is clearly up there with these uh these two italian marks in uh you know and, to, and they're waving a different flag but in terms of uh, a luxury mark certainly so i mean i was saving this for later when i was going to talk about goodwood but um, you know, the DBS Zagato, I did not see there, actually. Um, I saw a whole mess of other cars there. But this is, um, the you know, the, the car, the DBS Zagato is basically part of this continuation package. Yes. So With it's, um, you know, GT. it's, yeah, it's going to be um, one of two cars that people are going to purchase in a, in a bundle. And um, there's only going to be 19 of them. So, I mean, this is like, you know, yes, it's production, but it's production in an extremely limited uh, quantity and you know the pictures the renderings that i've seen of it again i didn't see it in person maybe i missed out because i was running around a lot i had meetings with a lot of different people which uh you know i didn't see everything goodwood is absolutely massive um but it, it's always a great event now um the the dbs zagato i quite like um and i'm sure you're going to have a different opinion because you're an aston martin diehard fan and purist um but i think what they've done with that vehicle, um, particularly like the rear lights and some of the um, elements and couturements of uh, of the, uh, the the color and trim and um, you know the the colorways of that car, I think it's quite nice. Um, and Zagato is, has certain flair; it always has. Um, as an Italian atelier, they have had a partnership with Aston Martin for many years, and this is just kind of the uh, the epitome of that it's uh it epitomizes everything that they've done and obviously with this package this bundle mm. with the db4 mm. gt zagato i think um i mean look if there's one thing that i can say about that car it's it's a triumph from a branding perspective that's um you know the 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 bundle the centennial um or continuation rather um you know db uh package that Aston Martin is putting out. I mean, no one is going to have. It. Think about like how the value retention of those vehicles. Think about the brand and the prosperity of the. You know, it, it's absolutely. I mean, it's leveraging the exclusivity factor of that brand to the maximum. So I, you know, I applaud them because I think in terms of it, when we're looking and we're, we'll address this um, in in other um, areas later on in this podcast. But when you look at certain manufacturers wanting to dip their toes into so many different niches and segments. And, you know, Aston Martin is, of course, coming out with the DBX. It's kind of necessary, just like the Cayenne was for the Porsche uh, brand. But I think they still have a certain amount of purity where they're staying true to their heritage. And at the same time, you know, it's an extremely like luxury brand. I mean, it's just synonymous with luxury and to create bespoke models and, you know, certain limited, very limited edition vehicles like this uh, DBS 
is really, really cool. So that's my take on it. <laughs> I hate the DBX. I'm just going to leave it like that. It's a, it's a it's a disgrace. This car. It looks absolutely horrible. Oh, from we have pictures as well. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> it looks horrible. Uh, you know, it's an SUV. Don't jump on the ship. You're way too late on it, anyways. But anyways, let's let let's leave it like that. It's probably going to sell okay, but it's not going to resurrect the the heights of Aston Martin because they're just too late on that one. The DBS Agato has one massive issue, which is that's a DBS. The new DBS is just terrible. I mean, it looks horrible. And Zagato has been trying to make it look nice. And I think for what the original car is, they've done a good job. That's the point for me. The original DBS just looks terrible. You know, it's it has this kind of big whale mouth, which I've, you know, gone, you know, terribly angry about quite regularly over the past few weeks and months and the zagato actually makes it bigger which funnily enough looks not worse it looks all right you know but it has to you know it really has the issue of it having that big mouth um and that's something that zagato just couldn't get rid of otherwise it wouldn't be the dbs anymore and that's what hurts it you know i think you know the db4 uh gt for the continuation is is just a beautiful car. Uh the color is just wrong. It shouldn't be in red. Uh, give it a classic color. Like what what is wrong with you? I mean where wh- where is the you know where is just the classic kind of style? If you're talking about centenary edition, what is Aston Martin best known for? A silver car and a freaking Irish green car. What are you doing? You're doing a red car. No, guys. Look. Why? If I if I want to see a I've I've recently had the chance to see a, um, a Vanquish shooting brake Zagato, beautiful car. Yeah, comes in this classic red as this one comes in as well. Fits perfectly well. If you want to do a Centennial edition, do a classic one. Maybe that's just me, but you know, for me, the branding continuation. and uh, continuation. I do, I do apologize, <laughs> but that's the problem for me with Aston. Yeah, at the moment, and I think we've talked about them quite regularly. We will rant about them when the DBX is actually coming out. Um, we've we, we've told the managers at Aston as well about our our feelings about it. But um, while we're at ranting, let's actually get to the point of our favorite brand, which is BMW. Oh right, well BMW. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's our favorite brand. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean the thing is, look, BMW's been busy. They in recent times they have put out a shed load of new cars. Um, you know they. And a few of them are on this list here. I mean, we've got the the X6, but they've also come out with the new X3, X4M competition. Like, so the the X4, I recently saw one of those on the road here in Munich, and I was just, I was just disgusted. It's a it's a real <laughs> shame, you know, because I've I've always I've always appreciated BMW design. I think we've been down this road already. Like I own a BMW, but it's a much older car. My car is like 12 years old now. Um, but I still, you know, I still do really like, you know, that brand. Um, certainly from a historical perspective, what it is that they've done and gone through with the, you know, everything. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a shame to see like the, so from an X4 perspective, that car that I saw driving around, it's just proportionally it's it's horrendous. The rear lamps, like the the just the stance on that car, like the wheel size versus the body, it's like 
I, I don't appreciate that in the least, and I certainly don't appreciate the new X6 either. Um, from what I've seen, it just, yeah, it's, um, you know, a, a caricature of what it was. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I even kind of, you know, appreciate the Bengal era X6 when they, when that car came out, I was like, and I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it. Um, it was certainly not the innovator that everyone thought it was because there were other, uh, coupe SUVs beforehand. Um, I'm just not a fan. Like there's just, it's so busy. There's so much stuff going on, so many kind of sight lines, so many different, um, you know, surface treatments and angles. And you're like, what is going on here, man? Um, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think that it's just far too grotesque for what BMW should be. And that's my personal opinion, you know, like, um, you know, I think there's certain people that are buying it. I think there's been a significant dip in um, you know, BMW sales because of this new design direction that they're taking. And um, again, I don't really know the whole reason behind why they're doing that. I'm not inside BMW. Um, but, you know, I, I can certainly speculate as to why that would be. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm just not going to do that because um, I, I, I like a lot of the designers there. Um, you know, a lot of the guys, there's been a lot of people leaving BMW. It's no secret. Um, and they haven't really been filling these roles. Uh, there's a hiring freeze at BMW right now. They're not bringing people on board. It's like, I don't really know what's happening with the entire design organization. And I don't really like the products that they're putting out. Now, that, to cap that off, besides the X6, there's also been the 8 Series Grand Coupe, which is an extended version of the 8 Series Coupe, um, which was unveiled, what, last year or something like that. Um, and I, I'm not mad at it. Um, I think it's quite nice, you know, um, from a coupe four door saloon, uh, perspective. Yes, it's okay. It's not revolutionary, but that's the one car I would say that I enjoy that has come out in recent times from BMW. I think that you've just, you just, you just said something very, very interesting. It was like, it's not revolutionary. And I think this is exactly what kind of summarizes BMW perfectly right now. It's conservative. It's about keeping sales numbers rather than trying to figure something out to increase them. Yeah. I don't know if that is based in Munich. Maybe that's something very Bavarian that, you know, they want to keep their money or whatever. I have no idea, but something needs to change. I mean, X4, X6, let's be honest, those kind of cars, these SUV coupes, not needed, absolutely no space in them whatsoever. They don't look nice as well. I don't have. I, I have no idea why anybody would buy this kind of car. No matter if it's a BMW, Mercedes, or you know whoever else does them nowadays, it's just not aesthetically pleasing. It's just a form, and the form doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think BMW, they've lost their mojo. They need to change a lot of things. We'll talk about concept cars later in a little bit, where. You know, I, I promise you I'm going to rant about these things because it's just, it makes me so angry nowadays. But in the production car series, and this is something that we have to say, we're not talking about the talent that's missing at BMW. The talent is clearly there. Um, the engineering quality is also there. There's still good cars to drive. They're fun to drive. They have a good ability to drive. But the top-level management is just in shambles. I mean, you know, as you see, they always just step down, like, you know, we'll step down. Uh, very little design direction going on. 
Um, you know, we still have no idea why Kaban was was sent uh, sent away. I think he would have been really in a position to change something at BMW, but didn't work out for whatever reason. And I think if it continues like that, they will have massive issues because we don't see any kind of progressive development, in particular in design, with them at the moment. With the only exception of something that we don't talk about today of the motorbikes. The motorbikes have a great development of BMW, cool design, fantastic styling about the uh, thing, starting from the machine to the um, uh, to the suits and everything. So you know, like the, the clothing, that is absolutely fantastic. Maybe the guys at BMW designed for the cars should have to look a little bit more into what the motorbike guys are doing because, uh, you know, there's no there's no surprise that those guys are leaving. Uh, a lot of designers are leaving if it continues like that. But um, yeah, Lo, let's continue. We talked about BMW already. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the guys from Cologne slash from Detroit. Uh, let's talk about Ford. And they have shown the new Puma Yeah, in uh, Goodwood as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen videos with our, uh, you know, very good colleague in person that we know very well that we want to mention, Amco Lennartz, presenting everything. Have you been able to see the the Puma actually in in Goodwood? I did not. <laughs> I did not. I didn't see Amco out there. I didn't see the the Puma out there. Um, it and you know, like I said, it's one of the things that I missed. One of the many things that I missed. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the the Puma. Look, it's it's in a category that Ford needs to be. Ford is not doing particularly well, um, you know, in the European market. They need a B segment SUV. This is a, this is it. Um, and, you know, I don't know. When I hear the word Puma, the name Puma, it's very evocative because I remember, um, you know, a car uh, made by uh, Chris Svensson, who uh, sadly passed away last year. Um, and, that is, you know, to me, what the Puma is. Now, to, I don't know, I think it maybe if they'd given it a different name, I, I would have maybe not had this feeling, but I'm not a big fan of, you know, the, the way that this car looks. Maybe it's because it's, you know, the name just reminds me so much of mm. the, the old Puma, right? And, and the, 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 the revolutionary Puma, because that, from a design perspective, was an amazing little car, yeah, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but it was amazing to drive as well, just like the car. And, um, you know, the, that was an era in Ford design that was really quite strong, I think. Um, you know, certainly from a European perspective, there was a lot of very cool things coming out then. And I don't know, maybe I'm just showing my age over here, but, um, you know, of course, Ford needs to do something where they're appealing to customers, right? Their customer base in Europe, um, customers worldwide are clamoring over these compact 4x4s and little, um, you know, B-segment SUVs. So you need to have one. And um, so so they do. And, uh, you know, but I, again, I haven't seen this car in person. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting, you know, vehicle. Obviously, they're going to have a whole mess of options, of, you know, an ST line and all of that, 19-inch wheels and the whole the whole line. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how you know what that car does for Ford of Europe. I think it's going to depend on the pricing. Hmm. The pricing is going to be a really fundamental point on this one. What I find interesting about this one is when you look at to the front and these almost like you know popping out. Um, headlights 
that are not part of the bodywork. They're actually going a little bit above it. That's something that Lincoln Co. brought back, you know, from uh, as, as the kind of first new one. So I don't want to say that, you know, the Westerners are now copying the the uh, the, the the Chinese. But this is exactly what I find interesting at the moment, you know, is this this could be a car that aims very much for the Chinese market as well. Mm. You know? And our producer Eddie just mentioned to us, like, you know, the Nissan Juke is a very similar car to that as well. And that's obviously been like, what, like 15 years ago now? Yeah. So we're going into this kind of direction where Ford, I think, is aiming to really build the global car. I mean, if I see this car, it's not necessarily made for Germany or like for Europe. For Europe. It's definitely not made for America because it's just too small, uh, with maybe California as an exception. But it could be a European car, it could be a Chinese car. And that's pretty much where I think I see Ford nowadays. Ford is not going to be this kind of luxurious, super stylish, super great kind of thing. It's going to be decent. It's going to be solid. It's going to be cheap for what it is. Yeah. Or like, you know, for not, not for what it is, but in the sense of like from an affordable pricing perspective. And it's going to be bought by the people who want to have a decent car. That's pretty much it, you know. And the design reflects that as well. It's nothing special. It's solid. You know, if you look into the pictures, if you look into the, the side view and stuff like that, it's plain solid. But, you know, it's this kind of briefing that you get as a designer. It's just like, make a car that sells well, but that's not going to stand out or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, so you want to have this kind of almost like understated car that's going to be, you know, well sold in the world, pretty much. That's what it is. Not more and not less. The only thing what I think Ford should do, get rid of the grill. Yeah, I think they should come up with something new because back in those kind of days when Ford and Aston were together and Ford stole the Aston Martin grill and used it into like, you know, the <laughs> early Mondeos and stuff like that. This has nothing to do with Aston Martin, but it's just like, you know, now with the electric cars and everything, Ford would have a really good excuse to ditch that grill or that style of the grill to do something completely new, to make something that reinvents the brand. And that would be great to see if they would actually go into something like that. Maybe that comes for future uh, for future cars, but that grill at the moment, especially if you have that kind of three-quarter view, um, I don't know, you know, just, you know, we've seen that before. Nothing really strange. And nothing really new. So, yeah, go I guess Amco, do something different. I don't know. I, I suppose <laughs> that's the the face is the one that kind of you know is uh, shocking to me because um, the rest of the car is not bad looking, you know, and and it does have a certain level of appeal, certainly, um, and the interior is not bad either. Now, mm. I you know, but I guess it's the front face and the headlamps and the the, the general kind of DRG. That's that what I mean. You is, know, there, there's yeah. something there's something that they could have done now with this electric movement as well. Oh, mm. Is to kind of refresh it, but you know, um, I don't know. There's the, from a design perspective, I just think it's something that we've seen before. The mix of different kind of things doesn't need to be bad, but it's definitely nothing original, right? Um, from that side. Now, let's move on. Yes. So another okay. SUV. <laughs> Or rather, this one is more of a crossover, rather, you know, because it's lower to the ground. The volumes are different. It it reads more car-like than the um, the, the 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 Puma does, and that's the um, Kia Exceed, um, and that was recently um, unveiled. And it's a product uh, of of the European Design Studio, um, if I'm not mistaken. And, and yeah, it's it's quite nice. Um, you know, it's a European. Um, specific car 
um, um you know they may sell it abroad and, and you know otherwise i mean that's the thing you know it's a, right now it's a global um playground right you need to actually have vehicles that are going to appeal in various different segments uh, and markets indeed um not segments but markets um and you can't just make one car for the states or one car for europe or whatever it's just not um competitive in that regard and uh yeah it's a money's game it's a numbers game so um yeah the exceed suv it's more of a cuv i suppose um is is interesting i mean it's uh it's a nice kia hasn't really let me down um and certainly not the european uh design center hasn't let me down at all um i think it's very very strong they're very good at coming up with you know concepts and production vehicles that i think are um quite attuned to the market in which they're in um you know it's a bit of sportiness a bit of like you know sophistication but ultimately it's it's a very kind of new and edgy brand um it still has that even though it's not a very new and edgy brand anymore mm. um you know i mean by numbers it's like it still has that aura of being new it's not you know your neo or or your like um you know lincoln co or whatever um but it does have very much that quality of being a um you know a, a new product and so i i really do enjoy what it is that they're doing and i like this um I like this Exceed, uh, and again, it's more car-like than anything that we've seen in recent times, so I think it's got quite a, a strong stance because of that, because, you know, the proportions are good, width, length, ra- uh, ratio is, is quite nice, you know, and um, the height, the ride height is quite mm. decent as well, but it's, it's a bit of a, um, you know, a lot of car companies nowadays, and, you know, when Audi first came out with the all-road, it was a mm. flop, certainly in the U.S., a major flop. Um, and now it seems like a lot more people are kind of, you know, companies rather are really getting into this um, and onto this bandwagon. So maybe the all road was just a bit too ahead of its time because now um, there's certainly, you know, that rugged quality that's associated with the go anywhere capability of an SUV, the spaciousness, of course, because you've got five doors, you know, a hatchback and all the rest. Um, but you still have a, uh, a car that will probably um, be quite nice to drive as well. I think, you know, we get to the point nowadays where we kind of appreciate Kia for simply what it is. And we sometimes forget, like, that it took them a long way to get to where they are nowadays. And I think this car is the perfect example of that because we see it and we just, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a Kia. You know, we, we, we do appreciate it, you know, that it looks good, that let's be honest, has some really, really cool color and trim features. I think we should really can't, you know, point this out. Over the past few years, Kia has done some really cool work with new colors, um, you know, new kind of materials that they've been using, stitching, all these kind of things. And for me, from a pure design perspective, I just appreciate the quality of what they have, what they have gone to. You know, like the interior looks good, yeah? Again, it's nothing overly crazy, but it looks good. The exterior has come to a level, especially if we compare this to the Puma, where it's like, my God, like, you know, this is like the Kia is tenfold better than what uh, what the Puma is, to be very honest. And 
that's the point for me where I'm saying, like, you know, I do really appreciate the level that Kia has gone to on on that level. And I think this one goes back still to Peter Schreier, so that was not a Luke Donkerwerker car, but um I I I just really appreciate all the development that has gone in Kia. And I really hope that they can continue that. Yeah. I mean, the quality really has been there, the design quality has been there, the execution has been there. And not more to say, to be honest, because it's it's really good. It's just really good, especially compared to the Puma. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Now, moving on. Something we haven't done, I think, so far. This is, I think, is a first ever in the podcast. We're talking about a car that's specifically made for the Indian market. Yeah. I don't think we've ever done that, Eric. No, I don't think so. But, I mean, you know, these markets... Um, are really like the brick markets are really quite important now for car makers. Um, you know, China, of course, is still in the equation. Um, but, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, these are developing markets. These are companies, you know, car, these are areas it, within the world that people are not yet fully mobile. And, you know, they're coming into their own, they need transportation. Um, certainly in China, it's still a boom, even though they've taken a bit of a, a dip right recently. Um, the sales aren't what they were, and they're not climbing as quickly as they were, but there's still a need. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting to see the Brazilian market and certainly the Indian market and the Russian market as well, you know, with uh, things like Dacia and Lada and um, all of that over there. Um, I was speaking to a designer earlier, and he was like, you know, I, um, it's, it's such a challenge to create vehicles um, that have those that level of constraint. Now, what I'm talking about in particular is in in India, in Brazil, in you know, in China, these are hugely price dependent markets. And the U.S. is price dependent as well, but even more so. And so, when you have such a limited budget to be able to develop something, it just makes it that much more of a challenge. And so, I mean, this Renault Triber is what we're specifically talking about now in the Indian market. Now, when I first saw it, I was like, geez, this is kind of weird. Like, what's up with the wheels? Like, why are they so tiny? Um, and, you know, it is true. On first read, when you look at the pictures of this car, um, the wheels, the pro you know, the proportions of it are, are a bit off. I mean... But at the same time, if you kind of bypass, these are just like 15-inch wheels, man. Like, yeah, I, you know, know, I know, It's I know. insane. Like, I mean, you know, you don't see new cars with 15-inch 15 15-inch wheels anymore. Um, but this is, this is actually quite an ingenious little thing, like in terms of packaging. I mean, we're talking about a car that's less than four meters in overall length, yet can fit three rows of seats. Like, yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing, I think, um, you know. 3990 millimeters i think is the overall length and that is impressive um and again you know the smaller wheels means it's going to have a better ride means it's going to be cheaper to replace those wheels and tires should you need to um you know there's so so many things to kind of consider right like 19 inch wheels yeah they look great they're not super practical imagine driving around 19 inch rims in india man like i don't think that would be very good for the target demographic. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think what they've managed to do, you know, Triber, um, you know, the, the Renault, um, the, this little thing for the Indian market is quite nice. It's good. 
um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, something that's, you know, uh, I would hanker over, but, you know, I, I do really like the Dacia Duster because of its simplicity and this rings kind of the same bell. I, I have to agree. There's, there's something in me where I do have a very, very deep appreciation of good design in very cheap cars. And the Dacia is a prime example for that. If you can see, like, especially the new generation of them, how good they have become for how little money you have to spend on them, you just kind of, you know, you take your head off and it's like, guys, this is fantastic work. Because I think if you talk to any designer and they say, like, look, yeah, we're working on a budget, but working on a super tight budget is the toughest challenge that you that that you can work towards. And Renault has almost perfectionized this. There's a guy in Renault, his name is called Erde Tunga. Mm. And Erde is, you know, he's a Mongolian guy who's been, I think, for most of his career, actually, with Renault. And he's been in charge of most of the design for the Dacias. And I have the highest respect for him because doing that day in, day out, bringing those cars onto the road, developing them, you know, talking to engineers on these kind of levels. Um, and obviously, Ed is just part of the team, but he has done so many of the um, of the Dutchers. There's another guy, Thomas Bigwood, who used to be there, um, who's worked on the Dutchers as well. That's that's absolute. You know, it's, it's just incredible when you when you understand how difficult car design can be, and how big the outcome and the aesthetic outcome can be. And the 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 tribe of, <laughs> the, the name is a bit ridiculous to be honest though. <laughs> so marketing, hello, what's going on? In general, what Renault is doing in this kind of super low cost market as a European manufacturer is really impressive. Yeah, and really kudos to them to kind of pushing that and using those platforms to develop low cost cars. So um, you don't have to like it. We can talk about fifteen inch wheels and stuff like that, but. Always keep in mind what these things cost and that the that the design quality that goes into that. So that's that's really really good. And we have one. No, uh, we have two more to mm. talk about. So we move on from India. Uh, if you like these kind of segments, we we're, we're happy to look into those as well. Like you know, maybe cars that only come on Brazil or something like that. I don't know. Uh, let us know if you like those. Now <laughs> let's talk about something that I find super boring, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Not because it's part of BMW Group, not in that kind of case. Mini Cooper SE, which is the electric Mini. Why do I find this boring? Simply because it's nothing new. Yeah, It's still a Mini. It looks exactly like a Mini. It has some color and trim features, graphics in that sense. But it's definitely not a complete reinvention of the Unfortunately, because I think that would have been really cool to have maybe like an old mini or like, you know, like going back to a little bit more of the old school mini style and doing that in um, in an electric car. But yeah, I don't know. There's too little development. Maybe, maybe that's the BMW syndrome all over again. Not pushing enough in term- towards electric. And apparently from what I've been told, this is based on a BMW i3 platform, so a platform that is now like, what, 10, 12 years old? So it's not necessarily a new and you know, very up-to-date car. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, the thing is, I when Mini 
came out, and this was, I think, under Anders Warming. Um, the Vision Next 100 was an incredible little concept car. Yep. How they used the glazing on that vehicle, how it communicated. It was this whole new identity. It was an electric car, um, you know, and it was it was incredible. And, I mean, you know, maybe they can't put, you know, glass and glazing that close to the ground and stuff like that. But from a proportional perspective, like, you know, the whole, like, the way the roof kind of sat on that car, it was a, a different feel and again it was a concept car right so maybe there was reasons why they didn't but yes you know so this cooper se right electric version of the uh the mini is is certainly not revolutionary by a long shot i mean you know even the revo light wheels which look kind of weird um you know because it's like a four spoke design and it's like you know you you expect it to be an uneven number anyway um four spoke designs never really did it for me um but if you look at what is possible with electric vehicles, certainly this Mini SE falls short. But, play devil's advocate, and you say people that are driving electric cars don't necessarily want it to look different, look at the success of Tesla, it just looks like an everyday car, it just looks good, but it doesn't look like anything special or out of the ordinary or different. And maybe that's really what they want to go for, um, you know, in terms of customer retention, making sure that people are interested in it. I read a very interesting article recently about um, a guy over at BMW, and I can't remember who it was, um, uh, but he was like, you know, people don't buy electric cars in Europe. It's like they just don't buy them. We There was actually know, Mr. Fröhlich who's supposed to possibly, yes, that depends, he's possibly becoming the next... Uh, you know, boss of BMW. Replacing, right. So, but that's part of the problem. Yeah, people don't like, you know, you can push the incentives, you can push, the infrastructure isn't here in Europe. It doesn't exist. So um, not yet. It's certainly not California level. And, um, but anyways, he was saying, you know, we can do all sorts of things if, um, you know, anyway, he came under fire quite se severely because obviously SUVs are cash cows and no one's really pushing to change that business model because you know might as well just keep churning out what people like what people are buying and really to the detriment of the planet um ultimately you know because that is just you know when you think about the efficiency of those types of vehicles versus the efficiency of electric cars or even smaller cars um you know it's it's just night and day so um you can only make a box in a high riding big heavy box that efficient until you know Anyway, I'm kind of deviating now in terms of overall design. Now, I don't know. I'm not mad at it. I do think that Mini kind of lost its way because they uh, are now, a, 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 again, a, a caricature of what it is that they should have been. They're like, you know, the the size of the lamps are, are disproportionate. Um, it just looks strange compared to what it was. You know, when, it, when Mini was first kind of reinvented, it was a modern version of the old mini and it was it was cool and uh, you know and then they started kind of growing not only in size because they have certainly but also like specifically in the in the lamp design area where the front and the rear lamps are like just these massive like things where you're you know it's completely disproportionate when you think about what it is that can be done now in terms of technology um with headlamp and tail lamp design 
you could have like a little strip of lamp. Like, you know, you don't even need, you don't even need a, like a thing. Like, you know, it's quite interesting to see that. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of my take on, uh, on, on the, on the mini SE. I wish that they had done a, uh, a vision next 100. They didn't. That's where we're at. Thumbs down. <laughs> so thumbs down. So now All I right. think that. So, oh yeah. Well, that's a, that's kind of a, a neat transition into, um, you know. So Vision X100 was really looking into the future. The transition is we've just seen a brand new car unveiled, a, a reinvention, or rather a relaunch, whatever you want to call it, of a very classic brand. Um, you know, a car that hasn't been um, shown uh, in recent times, but that got, you know, some new investment. And that is De Tomaso with the P72 that they just recently launched and revealed in um, in Goodwood. So you want to you wanna take the reins on this one? Go tell us what you think? Or <laughs> I, I, I? I, actually, I actually do believe we're quite split on that one. Okay. Um, I don't like it. Oh, well, that's interesting. Mm. I'm not the one that's going to say, yes, I do like it, because I don't. I think um, it's far too derivative of um, Ferrari's P4. Now, and a lot of people are, actually, I saw um, t- um, Glickenhaus, who owns the P45 from, the, the newer P45 from, uh, from Ferrari, basically had a go at them. And, you know, saying how it was just like a copy of his car and all that. And I see that. But what I see actually is a P4, like a 330 from like 1967. <laughs> like, you know, that's to me. So it's like, you've got this brand new car. Why make it look like an old car? <laughs> well, I, think, I, I don't know how, like, you know, how you all, all feel about this. But when I think about I did Tommaso, I'm thinking about a Pantera. Mm. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. So like straight surfacing, like, you know, you kind of like, whoa, what's going on over there? You see this De Tomaso P72, and it's like, that's not what I wanted to see from De Tomaso. <laughs> and I think it comes a little bit from the from the platform. The platform is the same as the Apollo. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of Apollos now, and they're super expensive and very exclusive and all these things. But it's just something for me where I personally believe, you know, you could have done much more towards the brand. And they're referring to an old De Tomaso car which was a concept car as well, yeah? So it wasn't even like a proper production car as far as I remember. And why are you not using the Pantera? I mean, A, you don't have enough balls to go for the Pantera. That's the one point. That would be a shame, yeah? Or B, you just didn't think about it. I mean, that would have been good fun. Let's just imagine they would have shown us a new Pantera. And of course, from a, you know, let's say from... from from a certain kind of surfacing factor, this P72 looks quite nice, but it looks nothing new. You know, they, you could have put a Ferrari sign on there and it would have been fine. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. Flavio Manzoni would have been very uh, mad about this, I think, <laughs> because he moves on with Ferrari, you know? Mm. And apparently they want to they wanna sell 72 cars yep. at 750 grand each. Maybe they're going to do that. Maybe not. You know, uh, I don't think that this car necessarily gives you enough reasons to buy it. Mm. And specifically not from a design perspective. I mean, 
you know, if I would have uh, a million or something like that, this would definitely not be one of the cars I would buy. But, you know, I think in terms of something, and we have to put it into perspective, for something like Goodwood, where this was presented, this fits perfectly well because it's this mix of new cars and old cars, and it kind of combines technology with some old school stuff. Fair enough. Mm. Would this have made any kind of big flash at CS, Geneva, you know, what else do we have? Uh, Frankfurt this year? Mm. No. Yeah, I don't think it would have had the level of impact that it did had it been unveiled at a traditional motor show or even something like CES. Um, but it just doesn't fit into a CES kind of, you know, box. It, mm. It's not, it's not, it, it's not forward thinking. You know, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's a conventional powertrain. It's an ICE. It's, it's, it looks like an old car. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, I personally, you know, for me, looking at the exterior design of that car, I'm not entirely sold on it because of the fact that it looks old. Not, you know, I don't think that it's, it's bad. You know, I mean, I think that they've done a good job on it. It's just, it's old. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, there was a comment on, uh, I think it was on my Facebook page by the guy that designed it. And, um, you know, he, he basically said that that's what the client wanted, um, you know, and he designed other things. He presented several proposals, but ultimately, you know, when you're a, uh, a designer and certainly a consultant designer and you're not in-house and you're working for a client, you kind of have to go with what it is that they want. They're the ones paying you the money. So that's what he did. Um, and anyway, it's not bad. Now, I like the copper accents. I like the certain things, you know, the the CMF is fine. The interior, you know, and I've read this as well. It's like, it's kind of a rip on Pagani and on, um, what else? Uh, there was um, like Spiker, like, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day with like the really like, it's like a, a, a lot of watch inspiration, a lot of like showing off the yeah. mechanical details and like, you know, so the interior, the instrument like cluster is amazing. The gear shift is super cool, but it's nothing like new or original, you know, but it does look great, which is why, and you quoted, I think it was like 750 and that's euros, 750,000 roughly, uh, what, like 850K, yeah? In dollars. $1,000, right? Yeah. For $850,000, you know, I mean, the price of these like super like, limited edition you know vehicles i mean look the fact that it has this the tomaso name and i agree with you it could have another badge yeah. like it's not like particularly representative yeah. of the the tomaso brand um but people may think hey you know it's got some heritage it's got this you know cool badge like this is the heritage of the company etc that might be good um but i think it'll probably hold on to its value and i'm sure it will find some buyers because when you think about what people can get nowadays for 850 or and even you know considerably more yeah. money, uh, there are buyers. So anyway, yeah. that's my take on it. I suppose. Yeah, let us know what you think about it. There, there was a lot of uh, different opinions about this car. I think this was a splitter, mm. pretty much, and that was really interesting to see. Now we're a little bit early. Next time we're going to talk about the uh, new Lotus, the first GD Lotus. Yes, that's right. It's that's coming be next cool. week. But now. Let's talk about concept cars. And let's talk about... Okay, so we have to warn you about this one. We've already chosen two. Yeah. And one of them 
let me actually explain this a little bit. There is this gathering in southern Germany in a little town called Garmisch-Partenkirchen. Uh, some of you might know this town. It's very close to the Alps. Absolutely beautiful. Super pretty. Um, fantastic. And BMW, every single year, I think it's every single year, they hold their motorbike event down there. And at this motorbike event, they are showing off concept cars, vision, or, sorry, uh, concept motorbike, motorbikes, vision motorbikes, whatever they call them nowadays, to the public. Now, this year, BMW have shown the BMW X7 pickup. And we all thought this was a little bit of a too late April's Fool's joke because this thing is <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I've, I, Eric, I have to be very honest with you. I know I've done a lot of BMW bashing, but, you know, if you would ask me one of the most fun cars to drive that I have over the, uh, you know, that I had to be able to drive over the past, let's say, two, three years, it would have been the BMW M2. That is a fantastic car. It's so much fun to drive. And I know we've done all this bashing, but, and I do apologize for the language. The X7 pickup is an absolutely fucking joke. <laughs> it is so bad. So BMW explained this, uh, and I'm not making this up. Yeah, this is absolutely true. BMW explained this, that this was a project of the apprentice program that they have in BMW. And they wanted to show their appreciation for these, you know, uh, for the apprentice program that they have. So for all of you who don't know the system in Germany, it's like you can go out of school. You don't have to go to university, but you can do like a three-year uh, apprenticeship and learn a craft or a job. Yeah, So you're then fully qualified to do this job and you do that. So BMW has that on quite a big terms for people that work in you know, manufacturing, all those kind of things. And they've come up with an X7 pickup. If I would be Adrian von Hoedong, I would say if you show this anywhere in public, yeah, I jump out of the freaking window. <laughs> this is really, 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 really bad. And BMW should really be ashamed of showing something like this, which looks utterly unprofessional in an entire portfolio to the public. Yeah, I do not understand. I just simply don't understand why they have done that. Um, yeah, you're not the only one. I mean, you know, this kind of comes back to my earlier point where I was talking about people wanting to be in different niches all the time and, and you know, omnipresent in every type of niche. And like, you know, yes, I understand the need for, you know, the commercial need for having to be in the SUV space. Um, it's just kind of a necessity now that, People, you know, companies really do need to be present there. Uh, but there's some companies that just don't need to be doing certain things, um, you know, in certain vehicles and certain typologies. And BMW, um, you know, I don't care if it was the work of several trainees or whatever. It was, it was, uh, yeah, done. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's sacrilege, basically. I mean, it's BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's the, that's what I remember as a kid. You know, watching those types of commercials. Um, now, it, it is important to note that this was not done by designers. There was no design team. They just basically took an X7 and they lopped it up. It was done by vehicle, body and vehicle mechanics, mechatronics, technic. It, 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 it was just constructors. They just built it, right? It was just like, 
building this thing. And I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I kind of like about it is the wood. <laughs> That's all stolen my, from Rolls Royce, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't doubt that. No, my my uncle had a um a, a transporter. It wasn't a. It was a Type Two, whatever they called those things, where it was the the pickup version of it, right? And um, he kind of took off the. They had these these folding. You know, the bed had uh, the the sides that would just fold down. So um. Uh, he basically took that all off and just put a teak uh, flooring in the back, which is quite cool. But anyway, it just kind of reminds me of that. And that's the only element that I like. Otherwise, like the, you know, I really don't like anything else about it. Um, you know, it, it looks very compromised, mm. um, you know, from a, from a balance, like aesthetic perspective, the tail lamps, I don't know where they got those from. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, and it's not at all my liking, and I don't really know why it is that they would do that. But hey, if the idea was to generate column interest and to get people talking about it, I would say marketing chapeau, you know, bien réussi, because that was uh, it. Certainly hit the mark and achieved the end goal. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, that's quite. probably enough enough marketing that yeah. we have given them yeah. as well. Now moving onwards. Something I was actually looking forward to because I was interested to see, like, you know, in which kind of direction it moves into, but again, ended up as being quite disappointing, which is the uh, BMW M Vision Next, which they revealed at a special event in the BMW world, BMW Welt down here in uh, in Munich. And it's quite underwhelming, actually. I've heard a lot of people talking about it saying it's kind of weird mix of an old Lamborghini Gallardo um, and, you know, some Lancia and stuff like that. There's nothing necessarily new. And what we've kind of, what we can kind of see is that BMW is trying to work something out with graphics, but they, they don't, they don't know what they want to do with the graphics. So, You know, they communicate, oh, it has some kind of, um, you know, language details in terms of design from an M1 and original and stuff like that. But when I see it on pictures, it's just uninspired. There is, there's, there's no character to this car. The only thing that makes it somehow interesting is the colors, but only not because the colors are used in a really cool graphical way. It's just because the colors are so flashy that they burn your eyes. <laughs> It's very loud, isn't it? Yeah. And and this comes back to like when we talked about BMW in the beginning is where I'm saying just like, guys, where is the vision behind this? You know, I mean, if this is going to be where BMW M is going to go, then just like, oh, my Lord, please don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, 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 there's something about it where I just say like, you know, what is going on? Like what has happened? Um, with you guys you have so many talented people where is the direction because this is again an emphasis on what bmw is at the moment which is a lackluster lacking behind design department which has no proper guidance where it's supposed to go mm. yeah and it used to be that you said like oh you know bmw show cars some of them were hit some of them were miss but the production cars were mostly a, a hit Now we're actually tending towards most of them are misses rather than hits. Yeah, I think it's, um, I'm going to take a little tangent over here, but still talking about BMW, of course, but 
I think if this car had been unveiled under a different brand, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think people, you know, because I mean, let's be honest, we wouldn't even be talking about it because it would be so irrelevant. Well, I don't, you know, I mean, I think as an electric car, it's quite, you know, it's 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 a, a vision for an electric sports car. Sports cars aren't what they used to be. But mm. the, the tangent that I was going to go off on is BMW climbed so high where people were mimicking every company from here to like, you know, Japan, the long way around was mimicking and trying to, you know, integrate elements of BMW's success story and various elements into their own designs. And we saw that, I mean, every company pretty much had a dip into that pool because um, BMW was massively successful. Now, when you climb that high, you know, there, there's a little thing about the the design industry and the automotive industry where it's cyclical, you know? Mm. Um, you go up and then you come down, you go up, you come down. I mean, it's not only sales numbers, but it's also, you know, design guidance, design teams, design languages, you know, things go up and down all the time. And so, when you reach that level that BMW was at during the Bengal era, I'm, not, I'm always going to refer to that because that to me was really a very, very high point um, in BMW design. It's inevitable that you're going to tumble. You, you can't stay at that level forever. And um, I think it, it's a, just a shame because, again, if you took the badge off, I think it would be you know acceptable. But when I first saw that car, and I'm not, no lie. I saw a mandrill, like a, 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 an African monkey. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, look it up. Like, pause this podcast or just open another window. Check out the mandrill and the male mandrill particularly yeah. because that dude's nose is red and white. And that I swear to God, that's the <laughs> one thing that I saw this thing and I said, that is a mandrill monkey. And I don't think BMW should be making male mandrill monkeys. Um, you know, period. So anyway, one has that, to say I, I the wanna... interior. I think of that car is quite nice, and that's the one thing that I do want to say. The interior, I think, is very nice from an IP perspective. You know, the range of technology they got in there, it's great. Exterior, I'm sorry, I'm not sold. Your, you know, your crazy eye searing, loud ass, whatever the hell it's called. Um, uh, what is it? Thrilling orange is not thrilling me. I agree. And, and this is the thing, like, you know, with BMW interior guys, I mean, we know a few of them that have worked on, on, on this car and previous M cars or I cars and stuff. They are very, very talented, but it's one thing, obviously, to work something out on the interior, which is for a show car and it goes for a production car. You know? um, I, w I wanted to say one thing. If we look back actually into the Bangle area, there was a lot of criticism for Chris Bangle you know, the Gina project and these kind of things, they were not as highly regarded as they are nowadays. Yeah. So I don't want to say that we criticize these new BMWs at the moment. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We could be proven wrong. But what I want to make as a statement is when you look into the Chris Banger cars, they were from, from the concept cars and, and, and we go back to the Gina, they were so different. And they were so different because the people hadn't seen anything like it before. The stuff that we see from BMW at the moment is actually 
we have seen this before, or it is something that we've seen before, but we've just seen it being done much better. Or by co- or like college students. Or by <laughs> college students, yeah. So it's, it, and, and this is why I think, like, you know, when people come up to me, it's like, oh, you criticize BMW. And I was like, yes, but I probably would have been one of the guys to criticize Bruce Spangler back in the day, yeah, because, but also, but only because I don't understand what he was trying to say at that point, yeah. Because the the, the 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 flame surfacing was so different to anything that we've seen, um, whereas this one nowadays, it's just it's almost like illustration, you know. It's like you play around a little with Illustrator, Photoshop, those kind of things, and you make something that looks halfway cool, and then you put it into a video game where it works somehow, but not into real life. And this is the thing: is like you know, if I see this Envision car, rather give me. That old Vision Dynamics uh, show car that was done, you know, by what then became the BMW i, because that still looks so much fresher than anything that we see at the moment, and that's the problem. That's really the problem. The only the only thing that I do like about this exterior design is, um, I think from a marketing perspective, these colors work really well. Um, you know, certainly in all the photography and things that they've released, it's like really eye catching. Um, but I, I like. Uh, the backlight treatment, you know, those mm-hmm. three individual windows, like coming down the back, that's quite good. It's a it's a modern kind of treatment of the slats, like which are just kind of a plastic add-on <laughs> in the eighties and things. And I really do like the um, the material breakup. So um, you know, the carbon fiber kind of lower um, as opposed to the uh, the the main kind of structure of the vehicle, the body panels and um, whatever it's made of, aluminum or steel, probably aluminum, but. You know, it, it shows that kind of lightweight element with the carbon fiber coming yeah. out from below and it, it splits it, you know, um, so it gives it that kind of lightweight thing. But again, it's not like it's not something that I'm, you know, and, and my initial reaction was was not extremely positive. And, um, you know, whilst it took me a while and I mean, you know, to warm up to certain elements, um, I, I'm still not an overall like diehard fan of what this car communicates. Cool. All right. So, um, because we have to go, but oh. let's wrap it up actually. Yeah. With one more point. So we have uh, designer moves. Yeah. And some things to announce that I think you know have been in the media over the past couple of days. Actually, the biggest one I would say first of all is Christopher Weil, who used to be uh, head of exterior design at Mini has moved up and is now head of exterior design at BMW. Yep. So congratulations to Christopher on that. Yeah. Obviously very well known within the BMW world, has done three series, five series, a bunch of minis, used to be the head of uh, automotive design at uh, Design Works, I think it was. Yeah, yeah? that's right. Exactly. Uh, he's a super nice guy. There's another video that you can watch on the Form Trends YouTube channel, but um, yeah, I mean, I met the guy, like, you know, and he showed me around. He was a super nice guy. And yeah, he's been particularly successful at Mini, and yep. I think it's kind of a lateral move for him um, because you know he was at Mini doing exteriors. He was head of design works, which is just kind of huge. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> it becoming up huge, the transportation yeah. design side of things. It must be said, it wasn't everything. Right? It was yep. just the cars. But nonetheless, um, you know, he's a super nice guy, and like yeah, I wish him the very best. He's now head of exterior design at BMW. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that's the headline. I think the headline is Mr. Kai Langer, who uh, Forsheim graduate, but has been at BMW for 16 years, mm-hmm. has been recently appointed head of BMW i. So he's head of design at BMW i. 
and therefore replacing um, Domaka Dukek, which Dukek, uh, yeah. which has moved over to um, BMW uh, BMW itself. Yeah. Um, after Caban was named uh, head of Rolls Royce, so that role's been vacant, um, and now uh, Mr. Tylanger is going to be taking that over. Um, so yeah, I I wish him the very best in that role. Yeah, as well. And last but certainly not least, J.C. Clark taking over design operations at Karma. Mm-hmm. Karma doing uh, quite well recently, actually. They got a lot of press with the Pinaferina stuff and yeah. uh, their internal stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, can you talk a bit more about J.C.? Do you know him personally? Um, I don't know him personally. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's been... Um, he was, I believe, over at uh, Tesla, um, or Faraday Future, rather. And um, anyway, the thing is, he's been kind of in the um, in the design industry over there. He had his own company, um, and then he has been working now with Karma, and he's heading over now, heading up the design operations unit over there. So um, you know, he's not director of design, but he will be um, heading design operations. So um, that is, uh, yeah, just kind of development in terms of the people. Um, you know, moves that we've seen in the industry. Very good. Um, the kind of more headline roles. Um, there's another one that we actually missed because it's been such a long time since we've done this. Um, and that is um, Mr. Woodhouse, David Woodhouse. True. Taking over the uh, the Nissan VP role in uh, Nissan Design America, so in Southern California, after having been at Ford for ever <laughs> and uh you know he was director of strategy also director of lincoln design and um yeah and uh he is basically i just um read a post of his recently and he's packing up his house right now yeah. uh moving out of uh of michigan and taking all his stuff over to southern california and so um yeah he uh he'll be starting his new role over there and uh you know, and super nice guy, David, as well. Um, cool. And, you know, great, and like, vintage races and things. And um, it's it's actually amazing to go to these vintage races and to hear, like, you know, the names of designers, like, big-time designers <laughs> announced over the speaker. So, um, like, I remember one year I was at Goodwood. I think it was the Revival, yeah. And I was at the Revival, and I heard, um, you know, David Woodhouse, I think he, he came in third. That, and, and then it was like, also like Merrick Reichman was also on that, in that same race, you know, imagine like, you know, Merrick Reichman and, mm-hmm. and David Woodhouse, wheel to wheel. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that, man. I love this industry. You know, I just, uh, yeah. it's car culture, you know, people, people that are passionate about, um, automobiles and, you know, just going out there and doing stuff. And, um, it's, it's, it's great. Cool. So, yeah. all right. So we're gonna wrap it up. Yep. Um, we will be doing more podcasts more regularly. So the summer break is over. We're gonna continue. Yeah, yeah. We will be doing that. And um, apart from that, we will have some surprises in the next few weeks. So in the next two, three episodes, we'll have some cool announcements. I think. Okay. And we will only we will only tease that for now. Some cool things not happening. Making no announcements no, today. No, yeah, it's not yet. It's a little bit too early, but like All you right. know, we're gonna do it. But in the meantime, obviously, uh, as always, uh, please do follow us on Instagram at Form Trends and at Concept House, respectively. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow yeah. us on LinkedIn. If you are, of course, looking for a new challenge in your career within automotive design, feel free to contact us as well. Use uh, again, LinkedIn, yep. 
Uh, we're on on everything let's just go through the list now shall we so email is good email i mean you know we got websites we've got instagram we've got twitter we've got um, linkedin facebook pages facebook pages i mean we got like we got youtube channels youtube YouTube channels channels. um you know i'm not on snapchat i don't really get it maybe i'm too old i'm too old for snapchat (laughs) man i'm too old for snapchat (laughs) not gonna happen but there are a range of you know we chat I mean, you know, WeChat indeed, yeah. And do us a favor. This is actually quite, um, quite cool. If you listen to us on iTunes, give us a five star rating because that's going to pop us up in uh, their ranking list. If you listen to us on any other channel uh, and there's a rating system in there, uh, put us on there as well. And uh, of course, if you like this, do give us some feedback as well. Yeah, please. And if you've got any like suggestions, topics you'd like for us to cover. Um, we always appreciate feedback. If you hate what we're talking about, you know, <laughs> send us some feedback. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always nice. I, I think you always learn from every experience. And, um, you know, we always love to hear from um, from our, our listeners. So on that note. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers, thank you, Martin. Always and, good fun. Um, take care, guys. We'll because see you on the next one. We'll hear, you will hear soon. All right. Peace.